Lord be God, it's happy the morning to you. This is David Patrick Wilson on St. Patrick's Day, right here at Wilson's Corner. That's right, me boyos and me girlies, me lassies, me lads, all you out there doing your thing. Welcome to Wilson's Corner. Unfortunately, on this St. Patrick's Day, there's going to be far too little drinking, although I don't do that anymore either. And probably no parades anywhere. And uh, it's all because we've been driven from the streets by a, an invisible menace that we've been told is a pandemic. And, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you don't believe that because I'm sure that it's true. Uh, I'd really like to get to the bottom of why it was created and how who it was designed to affect, and uh, whether or not there is a conspiracy afoot to control the population and manipulate this society and others, by the way. Chinese seem to be doing a pretty good job of it over there, as uh, Xi Jinping is, uh, has whipped it out on his, uh, on his own people, too. You know, um, you didn't have to bring it back here, you know, they... We actually imported it. It was great. Um, could have stopped that, but uh, you know our disaster in chief uh, chose not to. But it's St. Patrick's Day, like I said, and that's my namesake, you know, David Patrick Wilson. That's where I got it. And I would be real happy if you know St. Patty came down and drove the snakes out of Washington, you know chased them out of the White House and down Pennsylvania Avenue, out into the wilderness, and better still, into the ocean, watch them disappear under the waves. You know, that's, uh, that's what St. Patrick's Day is all about. That was when, you know, St. Patrick came and drove the snakes out of Ireland. So, you know, I, I guess a... Uh, if you can drive them out of Ireland, you should be able to drive them out of here. You know, um, there aren't, aren't Irish snakes here, though. Maybe they had to be Irish snakes for St. Patrick's to get them out of Ireland. Here, these are, uh, <laughs> these are Trumpian snakes. And we definitely need to get them out of Washington. The damage that they've done is almost irreversible. And we need to, you know, we need to really address that issue. There is so much uh, that's been done to corrupt, uh, to open the door for the, the, the total corruption of, of, of our society, the pollution of our rivers and waterways, the, you know, the, the devastation of our lands uh, behind global warming. And... Uh, you know, for those of you that don't believe it's really happening, you know, the first, this winter's been the warmest winter on record. And uh, a lot of this pandemic may have to do with the fact that there was no significant ice pack that kept uh, the germs from proliferating. You know, they say that this thing functions better in colder climes, but I don't, I don't really believe that. I don't think that that's absolutely, I don't think that's true. I don't know, I don't think that they know that it's true either. You know, um, if it's frozen in the ground, it can't come up. And then by the time it can come up, 
it's the the host conditions are no longer of a nature that could allow it to proliferate the way that it has and the way that it does. And, you know, at least for the next uh, several weeks, uh, we're going to be dealing with that unless something happens, unless there's like a major freeze and uh, it, it drives it back into the ground and we get a chance to liberate ourselves from this, you know. Or the miracle vaccine shows up. The one that Trump tried to buy, tried to buy from the, the German scientists over there at, uh, what's, what was it called, CuraVac? Uh, the name of the company, I, I guess. Hey, you know, what are you going to do? The guy's a total capitalist pig. This whole idea is, you know, listen, there's nothing wrong with capitalism. I'm, I'm the ultimate. I get into my business. I get into the entertainment business because I, I consider myself to be really a, 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 a benevolent capitalist, you might say, but the ultimate benevolent capitalist. You know, when I got into it, I took the stand. I remember the, the day that I was uh, going out on stage for my first performance in New York in front of all of the agents and managers and producers, you know, that Sanford Meisner had in his Rolodex who were showing up for that first performance that I did. And, you know, it was a 99-seat house and every one of them was a significant uh, player in the industry. And I uh, I went up on the roof of the neighborhood playhouse where I had was about to graduate. This was my graduation performance. You know, we had a performance week, actually. And on the roof of that, that building, I looked up into the sky, the New York sky, and I, I said to God, look, if you let me take these talents and gifts that you've so obviously given me uh, to take care of my children and my family, to make sure that they're, they have opportunity and that, that they're fed and clothed and, uh, and cared for, well, then I'll take care of all of yours. I'll make sure they get fed, at the very least, and have a place to live. And ever since that day, ever since that day, I, I've, I've been driven by that thought. I, my feet hit the floor um, every single day with that thought in mind that I'm going to do something each and every day to, to make that a fact. And, and the reason was not because I was being altruistic. The reason that I said that was at that time, you know, in, in 1971, I, more than 15 million people were dying every year from chronic persistent starvation. And 26,000 a day, I didn't even know that then, it was probably even higher, these statistics I learned later on when I was working with the Hunger Project back in, in the 80s. And, you know, chronic persistent hunger was killing 15 to 16 million people every year. 15 to 16 million, 26,000 children under the age of six were dying on a daily basis. Think about that. 26,000 children a day. And they're still dying. They're still out there. It's less now. There's a lot more ways of handling it. There are a lot more people doing the work to take care of them. We can, as I, I, at least I pray that we still can at this point, 
uh, handle taking care of everybody on this planet. I, I really believe that we can. But my idea was, if they're going to be dying, if those 26,000 babies every day are dying from chronic persistent starvation, then they're not going to be able to sit in those seats and see my movies and see my performances and see my, my you know, the plays and films and that I wanted to direct and write and produce and, and star in and provide those opportunities for other people to do those things. They're not going to have a chance to be sitting out there in those seats. And that, to me, was, a, was the worst of it. That, was, that, to me, was unconscionable, that I could overlook that population. Those 15 million, they all, <laughs> if I got $1 a year out of the 15 million, 16 million that were dying, how, how rich would I be? You know, I mean, that to me is capitalism that makes sense. Take care of the people. You don't, you don't build market by allowing your constituency to die unnecessarily or for no reason. And that's why wars are propagated. Somebody hands somebody a gun and says, you want to eat? Go over there and, you know, kill them. Take their food. Those days are long gone. And yet this pig wants to bring them back. This is what he this is what he advocates. I'll get mine, you want it. Come and try and take it. You know, I mean it's that dog eat dog garbage nonsense. We are all here on this planet by God's grace. We have been put here for some purpose that we must choose. Otherwise, it's just empty and meaningless. If we don't make a stand and and make a choice, take a stand and make a choice, then what are we here for? Is it all about self-aggrandizing, you know, filling our own pockets? Is it all about the greed and the gimme, gimme, and the I get it and you don't? You know, that's a, that's a bankrupt philosophy. That's a disparaged element. That, you know, there, there is no room in this world any longer for those who will not work together to create opportunity for each other. Who will not tell stories that elevate the human condition. Who will not provide resources and opportunities <clears throat> for all of those who have not to have because we have. This is not a mistake that this COVID-19 is happening here. This is not some random thing that occurred. This was bound to happen given where we are at this time, in this place. And the, you see it in the, in, in, the, in the incredible reaction of people in stores hoarding and pillaging and, and, and looting Really, controlled looting is very barely controlled looting is really what it is to take what they think they need to have because they don't want somebody else. Otherwise, there's somebody else going to get it and they're not going to have it. It's insane. No, I mean this society has so much of everything, and the rest of the world is looking at us and what we're doing right now, and the way we are conducting ourselves and saying, scratching their head and say, "We wanted to emulate that." Are you serious? We are the strongest, wealthiest nation 
in the history of the world. One quarter of our population goes to bed hungry every night for no reason. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands have no place to sleep to call their own. In this United States, our infrastructures are crumbling, our roads are disintegrating under our wheels. Wheels that we wrap around us and get progressively more and more expensive and luxurious while we look outside those cans that we drive and, and watch the rest of the world fall apart, separating us. That's what this COVID-19 has done. This really insidious. It's kept us apart. It's separating us. But we have in our hands right here, I'm speaking to you into a device that makes all of that moot. We can stay connected. We can be in communication. We can tell the truth and nobody can stop us. And in this country, that is still our right for at least a little while. But you do have to know that the person that's sitting in the White House right now has given himself the power, has given himself by declaring a national emergency the power to shut it all down, to take the internet down, to close off everything, to keep us separated, to declare martial law and put us all in the war zone. All of us here in this country, within these borders, for the first time in history since the Civil War. Unbelievable, unbelievable that it's come to this. Get out there and vote in November. And vote blue no matter what you do. I don't care who it is. Vote blue no matter who, no, wherever you are. There is conscience there. I'm not making this a political ad. I'm just telling you flat out. The, the repuke the cannibals is what I call them, right? They don't seem to have a soul. They don't seem to have a heart. They use religion as an excuse. Well, boys and girls, I got news for you. St. Patty's on his way back, and he is going to drive the snakes out of Washington. And he's going to be wearing blue when he does. In any event, it's time for me to shuffle off. God bless you. Lord and Begara. May the wind always be at your back and the road slope before you. Bye-bye.